Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. With lockdown limitations continually adjusting and the summer now looking us beautifully in the eye, we continue with regular discussions about our respective horticultural worlds. Putting the pandemic's grip on us aside, we sincerely hope that you found enough moments to quietly contemplate, distract yourself, gaze in wonder and generally pour positive and fruitful energy into this most glorious and rewarding of hobbies, which, for Saul and myself, we are lucky enough to also call our profession. Restrictions are still with us, experiences are still unprecedented, but Lucy and I hope that by providing you with a continued shortened version of this podcast every few days, you can easily fit a small dose of horticultural musings into your routine. We will, of course, still bring you longer bonus episodes too, when we chat to inspirational peers on more in-depth gardening topics. So fire up the kettle, get comfortable in your favourite chair and join us now for a 20-minute escape into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Hello, Lucy. How's it all going? You all right? Yeah, it's going all right. Thank you very much. I haven't melted. Oh, I tell you what, it's been a hard week. I, I think this week, for many months, has been one of the more harder weeks, both physically and mentally. Just getting yourself motivated, but also just trying to work at, under these temperatures. I, I know a lot of people think that we moan too much in this country about the weather and the temperatures but it's just because of the changes we get all the time so mm. if you think about it, last week or the or the week previous uh, horrendous rain thunderstorms you know back into the waterproofs jumper on and then this week you literally couldn't get anywhere cool there was nowhere cool even under the sh- even under the trees it was the too hot. humidity was getting at you and I, i've got to say wednesday thursday i think you know, I didn't make the best management decision because I thought I'll do my usual mow of six hours, getting two acres of lawn mown. Uh, but at the end of it, I was shattered. And um, you do you do have to be careful, don't you, actually, as if you're working as a professional gardener in, in weather mm. like that, that you don't overdo it too much because heat stroke and those kind of things are, are, are a real danger. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lucky in regards to the geography of Donnellan Hall to where I live in that I can, and I, I did mention this previously, what I can do in hot weather is I can come home for lunch. I can take a longer lunch break and then I can go back to the hall later, which is what I did this week. I did um, uh, early starts and then long lunch breaks and then worked into the, the evening starting at four. And it meant that I avoided that really hot part of the day because I can drive home. It literally takes me three, four minutes to drive home. So I know yeah. that you as Stonelands, it's a good hour's drive and you yeah, can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's, it's something that I hadn't really appreciated that I could do. And, and, and it's only when speaking to people such as yourselves, you think, oh yeah, actually it's really lucky that we can come home and, get changed, have a shower, whatever it might be. Just, um, I mean, I, you know, I, people know me, I, I do writing, writing a garden writer, so I can do writing in the heat of the day and indoors in the cool with all the windows open in the house, get that done and then go back to the garden in the evening. And do you know what the productivity is well of you when you're cooler, you work so much better. And because there does come a time when, in, you know, if you're working in the heat, you just get slower and slower and slower. And as you say, you Physically, it's no good for us, but also it's no good for your employers. You know, we're um, 
just not as productive in that hot weather at all. So I feel for you not being able to kind of like bow out for a few hours. I think that must be must be difficult. And it's made me appreciate that I can. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for those of who want to get into professional garden, and I know we're going to do a podcast in the future about the realities of becoming a professional gardener. <laughs> One of the realities yeah, what's is all? that the weather is very dictatorial on what you're doing both uh, the mm. work you're doing but also you know you as a person how much work you can get done but um we'll, we'll discuss yeah. that in a future yeah. future podcast the positive thing is that i've come back uh, i'm at home uh, for the weekend which is always nice love being in my own garden and i've just had some new plants delivered um which is Yay, uh, a bit of retail therapy because one of the things that hasn't happened in this lockdown is we haven't been able to get out to our local plant fairs, actually go out to the nurseries that we love, the the, the shows, the mm. big national shows and the smaller regional shows have all most, well, I think they have all now relatively been cancelled uh, or, or postponed. So actually going out to see um, lots of plants in one place. Uh, it's just not something yeah. we've been able to do this year. So we've we've been online. I think most of us have been trawling the internet, looking at all these wonderful uh, specialist nurseries up and down the land and seeing what's in their catalogue, what they've got hiding in those polytunnels and uh, putting in orders. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, well done. I've, so what kind, what kind of things have you had delivered? So... Um, I, one one of my f- um, favourite nurseries in the, uh, a lot of the nurseries I use are based in the West Country. Funnily enough, I think when you're based in a region, firstly the nurseries generally in your region sell the kind of plants that work well in your locality. So for the yeah. West Country, we are mild down here. Yes, we're moist, but um, we get away with a lot more of the exotic end of the of the plant market let's say that mm. and and the people who listen to this podcast regularly know that that's my personal garden is just stocked with exotic plants but um one of my favorites is actually one of the most southwesterly nurseries in the whole of the UK um their names are penberth plants uh, and it's run by two and and all these specialist nurses are run by really just just one or two individuals who are very um, knowledgeable on their subject and and really passionate. Uh, and these two, uh, their names are Jeff and Claire. Um, and if you if you go to the shows, uh, RHS shows or any of the local shows in the West Country, you're bound to meet both Jeff and Cl- Jeff and Claire. They are proper Cornish people. You know, they've got the accent. <laughs> They wear shorts all year. They're perma-tanned. It's brilliant. Uh, and they specialise in um, both succulents, uh, proteaceae, so all the South African, the Australian and the sort of Mediterranean plants you can get away with, uh, restios, mm. etc. So I've got a little order of um, succulents through them this time. Um, although at home the garden is technically my domain, um, Nick, my partner, she she likes this, but you know she likes to be out in the garden. It's part of our our house, uh, and she does she does generally love the plants that I love. Although you know it's my passion, but the one thing she really does like is succulents. She she loves succulents. So we sat down right. together, looking through the catalogue, and she pointed out a few of these aeoniums and echeverias and aloes, and we got a, a nice order because occasionally I do like to get something in that nick likes just to just to engage her in the garden a little bit well exactly you've got to keep the lady in your life happy as well haven't you you know absolutely. it's a very sensible thing to do 
top tip out yeah. there for anyone who's you know not quite understood that concept just yet but that's the, that's the general <laughs> yeah. idea and do you know what those plants that you mentioned like i say the aeoniums and the, the, those the succulents you can actually grow them easily you can get a nice collection together in quite mm. small pots can't you you know yes, you don't yes. need to have i know the exotic some of them like the colocasias and things and they're in setis massive massive, massive yeah. plants but those succulents are um you know they'd be happy in like maybe a 10 15 centimeter diameter pot even smaller depending on what you're getting when you when they come from the mail order nurseries so that i i love getting little collections together of certain plant groups i've got some nice hostas in pots that i inherited from actually from a friend but what it's done it's whetted my appetite to think do you know what i'm gonna get some more of those i've got half a dozen I'd quite like to get some of the ones that are a lot smaller leaved. Some of the, um, you can get some, some very dwarf hostas now because the breeders do appreciate that people maybe haven't got massive, massive gardens. So that's very on trend at the moment. And we've seen them at the shows, haven't we? These, these, uh, uh little sort of mouse-eared style hostas. But, um, it's conversely, like the, the, there are some that have got whacking great big leaves. And I, I will, I, I admit, I don't know the varieties yet. I want to get into that. What it's done, it's opened a, a, a door to me to think, actually, I want to look at those in more detail. Um, and I mentioned back in October, I went to work with, um, Philippa Burroughs at Alton Wick for uh, a couple of weeks just to look at the exotic plants that she had there. And I was so lucky enough to bring some of those home with me. And again, it's, it does make you think, Right, actually, I want to build a little collection of these now. Um, salvias, tender salvias that propagate really easily by cuttings. I, I'm, I'm starting to build up a little collection of those. So for me, I mean, as you, as you say, everyone knows you for your exotic passion. For for me, it's vegetables and growing fruit. But aside from that, I do still love ornamental plants. Um, I, I, my, my main route for collecting plants would be as I say going through the seed catalogs going through vegetable seed catalogs for me that's what I tend to pour over as opposed to the exotic catalog so people like um, Chilton seeds I've just got into recently I mean I've known them in existence for for decades and um, they've always had a fantastic catalog but they've they've rebranded themselves lately and the photography of the new catalog is just sumptuous delicious mm. wonderful stuff and they always have had a fantastic selection of unusual veg there's um uh ted de Samons, there's uh association cocapelli um there's there's quite a lot of uh more unusual veg seed suppliers out there which piques my interest and, and makes me look to see if there's something else that i can grow but my ordering's all been done probably more for the in the winter time. I'll sit there when the evenings are, are darker and uh, with my cup of tea by the fire with the dog and the cat and, and my husband, obviously, as well. He's always by my side and we'll, and we'll order seeds that way. So I don't tend to order many plants in the summer. I think, as you say, for exotics, because the plants tend to come into their own in the latter part of the summer, for you, this is a fantastic time to, to get those collections built up, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. I, I love going through the catalogues. I was just thinking on your hostas. There's so many really good hosta nurseries out there. You know, off the top yeah. of my head, I can think of Sienna hostas. There's New Forest hostas, Bowden hostas, Bowden, uh, yes, McField. Mickfield, yeah. I think it's Mickfield hostas. So, mm. one of the things, and you you you're like saying you get into these. Um, like little niche collections of different things. One of the nice mm. things is there's so many very um, like specialist nurseries that just 
focus on one thing, you can actually get to know them quite well. Uh, like I, I know Jeff and Claire really well down at Pemberth and they sort of know what the kind of things I really enjoy. So sometimes they get back to, it's like, it's the opposite Lovely. way around. They're getting in touch with me to say, oh, look, <laughs> I've got this, we've got these exciting new banks here. And I'm and I'm like, oh, yeah. And I look into them and you sort of build this two-way relation. Um, it's, it's very rare, I think. I don't know, because I, I don't shop. I'm not a great shopper. I don't go out buying clothes or things. But it's really nice to build up a relationship with um, with s- someone who's doing that sort of retail nursery kind of thing, because you yeah. you really feel like you sh- you have a share uh, a love for the for the plants. But also, I have no problems with giving them my money. Sometimes I'm I, I, I'm sure I have some Scottish genes. I'm very very you know I I like to save <laughs> our money up, and you know I, I don't like to give away my pounds too easily. But when it comes to giving, because I know that I'm giving my money to Jeff and Claire, or or maybe uh, there's a uh, there's a nursery down here called Exotic Earth Plants that are Brugmansia specialists, and I know Lee. Mm. I go and see his nursery, or there's uh, there's there's loads of other sort of small nurseries where I know who runs them. You sort of support. You feel like you're supporting the the people behind it rather than just yeah. uh, just buying plants. There's a, yeah, there's it a... gives it more of a face, doesn't it? Like you say, there's 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 the people behind it. If you get that relationship with people, and and you, like I say, you were so lucky in your connection with the RHS shows, and that you got to know the nursery folk mm. really, really well through your work, anyhow. And I mean, I, I've through working at the RHS on the advisory department, I always used to go to the the shows and advise. But again, get to know the nursery people, and they're they're so lovely they're such a, a knowledgeable bunch they're collectively they're, they're all going to be so passionate about their own particular uh plant group that they're that they're selling or or but they're not just selling it they're living breathing that's it isn't it in, yeah. enthusing about all these amazing things uh you know any any plant group you've got you know even just like something like a, a fuchsia nursery or a pelagonium nursery where you think oh, okay well they're fairly you know standard plants once you start talking to the the nursery growers and look at their stands at the shows and you see these really unusual species and quirky plants that they've managed to through their enthusiasm put on the stand and, and make available to people like you and I get very excited about these things that it that adds another level of it I, I think going to a garden center is mm. one by buying experience and I do enjoy going to the garden centers I'm very lucky in that we've got um uh, a nursery called Perrywood near to us. There's there's one in Tiptree and there's one in Sudbury and it's a very well run um, family garden centre. It does amazing cakes, which is always a fantastic look <laughs> for my husband. Yeah. He doesn't mind going along with me either. But that that in itself is a really pleasant experience because the the quality of the plants is great. The range they sell is very very good. I think we're we're very lucky to have that on our doorstep in Essex. But when you go to a show or as you say you know go to the society shows or whatever it might be that's when you get to see if you're like me and a bit of an impulse purchaser you get to see such an amazing range you 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 don't get yeah. that at the garden centers do you at all and i miss i am really missing that i'm really missing that because as i say I, for me my major passion is fruit and veg and i will look at the catalogs in the winter for my seed orders of the veg and i know the fruit nurseries that i'll go to we've got kemure down the road from us which we're very lucky to have and i'll go and visit them and pick the plants out that i want because i want to train them in a certain shape so that's my more winter task but i i do love going to the shows 
seeing all these plants, I, you know, we've all done the impulse purchases where you think, well, I really like that. I bought, I've, I've been buying, um, maybe through your influence, I bought a colocasia from Hampton Court last year. And then when you came to see me at Beth Chateau's. Oh, you got a ginger. Um, yes. I got that ginger. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and now I'm looking at it thinking, but that looks, that poor thing on, on its own, looks a bit sad. I might get some more gingers. <laughs> and it's, you know, but, but yeah, it's, um, it's, I have, I have definitely, definitely missed not being able to get to the shows this year. I really have. So um, maybe I need to take a leaf out of your book and actually think, do you know what? Not just hang around and wait for the shows to start up again, but start tapping into really embracing the mail order because I think it's something that's going to be far more commonplace anyhow, isn't it? It's it's funny what you were saying about uh, the Chilterns catalogue, them improving that. I've Mm. definitely seen a change in the way people are running their online catalogues they're getting more extensive the photography is getting so much better because it is mm. true when we go to these shows or we go to the plant fairs we're definitely buying with our eyes we're looking yep. at the plants we're thinking oh that looks unusual so when you want to go and buy it online you really really do want to see what the plant looks like in all its all its forms both its foliage and its flower just to make mm. sure that it fits in with your expectations when you're when you're getting the plants and it's also true what you say about garden centers they're great for sort of a general thing but i always think that people who are new to gardening they'll go to a garden center and i always feel sorry for them because they probably think that's it that's the range of plants they've got in the world and i wish sometimes i could just go around when i see them looking at the aces or i see them looking at um i don't know all the 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 bedding plants or something i think oh that's all they've got geranium wise you know you've got a few zonal pelagoniums a few different colors and then you want to tell them about nurseries like fibrex who have the national pelagonium collection with all these amazing different species um plants that have uh different smells like not drain you know you, you get that standard pelagonium smell that you you get yeah. but also you can get mints and pineapples and fruits and everything uh, and you just wish that um that they could know that okay the garden center gets you sort of is a good starting point the first step let's say mm. but there are so many more steps and that if you really start getting into the plants, uh, the nurseries out there to accommodate um, your obsession, and I'm going to call it an obsession because it really does become really obsessive sometimes when you want to grow a collection up. Um, there are so many nurseries out there to satisfy uh, that craving. Um, and I just wish people would reach out to them a little bit more because what I hope, what I hope happens with this this lockdown and this situation is that people do reach, do go beyond the garden centre mm. a little bit more. Now they know they've got outside space and what they can do with it. They've had that taster. They can go out beyond and, and like looking at your veg, like for veg and fruit. Okay, you get your standards, uh, your seed packets um, down the down the garden centre or your. Or you can buy pug plants and you've just got a few varieties. But then you can go to a place like Pennard's Plants or some of the smaller um, specialists. And the varieties, suddenly it opens up 100 potato varieties or, or something like that. And then you yeah, can become exactly. a crazy tomato grower like yourself. <laughs> I can I can be referred to as a crazy tomato grower. That's that's I'm happy to wear that badge. That's no worries. Yeah, I mean, I, for example, you know, if, if people are wanting to look at other veg 
so seed nurseries, then people like uh, Tomasetti is fantastic mm. for heritage vegetables. You've got Robinson's, which is uh, their website's Mammoth Onion, the most amazing, amazing collection of vegetables, seeds that they sell there. It's it's like everything. I think you get your the, the mainstream conventional crops, whether it be fruit, veg, brugmansias, daturas, what, pelagoniums, penstemmas, whatever it might be. And most novice gardeners will start off with that as their, their, their basic understanding of what's out there. But when you scratch the surface, I mean, as I say, I'm, I'm now looking into more unusual veg um, crops, not, not the mainstream things, things that we've never even considered eating before. And there are so many uh, people on Instagram or on Twitter uh, who are who are themselves so so engrossed in these topics that you can really um, glean some some lovely uh, information from them, and they're very happy to give it. I I do like looking at. Um, I've got a bit of spare time. I'll look at a, a, a Twitter account of somebody who I know is passionate about a particular plant, and just go through the timeline and just see what they're talking about. And if that doesn't whet your appetite oh, yeah. for something, I don't know what will. You know, I really don't know what will because it's. It's such a, to be, to be continually introduced to new things. And I think when you've been in horticulture for a few decades, you know, we, 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 we have, we're very, very lucky in that we have been to the shows and we have seen an awful lot of plants. But when you're still surprised by what you can deem an edible plant or what, or as you say, a new species of, of an ornamental coming through that's been, that's been discovered somewhere or, or bred by somebody, that, um, that, keeps our interests going it really really does so you know for the people out there that are plant hunters of the modern day and they are doing this we we really do rely on you so much and, and want to thank you for for keeping us enthused because it's 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 um yeah it just keeps us happy So that concludes today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and would love any feedback or reviews you feel compelled to give us via your preferred podcast provider or social media platform. Life in the garden and out of it continually evolves for all of us. There is now reference to a new kind of normal and we are excited to hope that this will bring opportunities to visit gardens, friends and colleagues old and new so we can gradually adjust from virtual to actual worlds. Specialist nurseries, gardening charities, small businesses and self-employed individuals will still rely on us for financial support and encouragement over the coming weeks and months. We hope everyone in this profession is digging deep and finding ways to flourish. We are continually thinking of you all. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.